Welcome to your Future Therapist podcast. Empower yourself with this free podcast for personal growth and well-being. Future therapist and life coach Kelly Newsom and co-host Megan Lachowski share honest, real-life stories to help others navigate life's challenges. Welcome to your Future Therapist podcast. We are thrilled to welcome back Maria Thomas. Hi, Maria. Hi there. Hi there. Hello. Okay. So today what we're uh, going to be discussing is trauma and trauma response. And what we're going to really keep it at a level, we're not going to be talking about like large trauma events, such as uh, sexual assault, abuse, um, trauma like that. What we're going to be talking about are things that you may have experienced either repetitively over time that cause like anxiety or um, a tenseness or a response that later in years you look back and you realize, wow, that that that's where I'm getting this anxiety or this tension in my chest or shoulders or feeling blocked and um, those kinds of feelings later on in life. Um, and also, I think it's really important because um, as parents of young children, you might find yourself doing some of these things and not realize the impact that it's making on your children or the the people that you're raising. So Maria, do you mind if I have you kick it off? Because the last time we talked, you did talk a little bit about the banging of pots and pans when you were younger. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing that story. Sure. <clears throat> so it wasn't until I was in my late 20s, early 30s that it occurred, this occurred to me. But when I was a kid, uh, when my mom was angry, um, not with me per se, but, you know, with she was having issues, whatever they were, her stuff, she would bang pans in the kitchen. And that's how we never put it to words, but like we would take off, we'd go outside or, or get the heck out because you just instinctively knew that she was angry. Mm-hmm. We never talked about it. Like, Oh, the pans are banging. It never, it's just was something inside each one of us, you know? And so fast forward into my early thirties, my um, ex-husband, very nice guy. He was in the kitchen doing his thing, um, starting to make dinner and could not get all the way back where there was a pan. And so he was like pulling and hitting and hitting and I heard it from the back of the house and I literally walked so fast. I'm like, what is wrong? And said it just like that. What is wrong? And he, I mean, his face, he's like, I'm trying to get a pan. I mean, he had no clue. Right. And I was like, he's like, is there something wrong with trying to get the pan? Are we doing something different anyway? And it was that moment when I was like, okay, I'm different. Something else is going on here. This has, my heart was racing. I like felt a little bit like, you know, something was wrong and maybe there was going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you, and remind me, do you have siblings? I grew up with two step siblings. I and, am an only child. Okay. And were they in the home when, when this was happening? I mean, have yes. you ever spoken to them to see if they have similar responses? That's funny. You should say that. No, we've never talked about it. Hmm. Yeah. No, but but everybody had the same reaction. Everyone left the house, right? Yeah. Yes, they did. Everyone, it probably manifested it differently mm-hmm. and manifested mm-hmm. differently in each one of us um, because of our ages, maybe. Um, but for sure, we all knew that 
that was time to exit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There, um, there are a few things that I do, although I've not, I mean, I think my overall life story around trauma is pretty clear. I've talked about it in many different avenues. So I think the things that I'm going to talk about today, maybe I'm not going to relate back to specific events, but that are absolutely responses to, you know, trauma from my past and, mm -hmm. and all of that. But I want, well, I wanted to kind of go through maybe a little list and ask if either of you have experienced this or have something that's similar to that. And the first one was checking out. Um, you know, I used to do a ton of daydreaming, um, like, probably hours a day. And especially even at work, like if there's a stressful uh, moment at work, I, I actually remember checking out at work and daydreaming or watching movies that I've watched a hundred, literally a hundred times. And I find myself just kind of on the couch, lifeless watching those. Do you guys experience either of those? Yeah, I definitely do. How so, Me Megan? Too, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I definitely watch the comfort movies or shows. Um, I tend to get really antsy and kind of work myself up when I'm feeling really stressed or triggered by something. Um, uh, you know, I'll either have an I, I tend to to have extremes, either like extreme amounts of energy or very very low amounts. Usually it's higher amounts of energy because I tend to just have more energy in general, but mm -hmm. I'll get like um, a major buildup of energy that I can feel like in my chest. And I actually went to an acupuncturist uh, probably 10 years ago and uh, to help with my back. And I had noticed that that excess amount of energy that I feel in my chest, like it feels like it's blocking everything. And it it, I don't usually feel it if I'm not very stressed out, but, um, I had noticed that I had that, but I hadn't really, I never like looked into it or anything. I didn't like, how would I look into that? And my acupuncturist, he put his hand on my sternum and he was like, Whoa, you have a lot of energy right in here. And that it was like unprompted. And he just felt that. And I was like, okay, so that is real. <laughs> like that is something that basically becomes tangible. And mm. anyways, Nothing ever really came from that other than it was nice to have some sort of confirmation from somebody that there was something uh, I was physically manifesting my stress and it was noticeable. So anyways, um, so yeah, I, I tend to, if I'm getting anxious, if I'm getting really anxious, I tend to like, I can't like focus on anything. And so I'll find myself finding random things to do that aren't important. <laughs> Like I'm just, I'm trying to distract myself and I can't, my brain doesn't want to like sit and focus on one thing. And so I just kind of try to find things. And then I'll like, if I'm home, I'll like speed around the house and I'll do one task for like two minutes. And then I'll be like, no, I need to go do this now. Like I can't. So you're going, you're bouncing from one to another bouncing, and not yeah. really finishing one. Yep. And, yeah. and I, when it was like if I can just kind of do that, if that helps with the energy, usually exercise will help because it's obviously just excessive energy that I have. So I can kind of burn it out. But um, if I can just kind of be by myself and release it in that way, then I feel like that's mostly fine. I, I tend to get productive when I'm stressed. And so I, I'm glad that I get productive, I guess. 
But um, what I noticed that it's not healthy is especially like if, if my husband is like sitting on the couch and he's just like, he's fine and he's chilling. And I'm like, no, we need to be stressed right now. Like I'm, I'm doing everything right now. And then I'm, I have to remind myself like, oh, okay. Just cause I'm feeling the stress doesn't mean that everybody else is. So anyways, I, I, I tend to do that where I get myself really worked up and then I make it worse and worse. And then if I don't check myself, then I will kind of project it onto other people. Yeah. As- Maria. Sorry. No, no, that's it. I I need to stop talking. (laughs) You're fine. How about you, Maria? Yeah, I think for me, um, Megan, a little bit of what you said, like I get all this energy and and I have to resolve it like Mm -hmm. right now. So everyone around me also needs to Mm -hmm. get up and help resolve whatever it is. And, you know, (laughs) I'm much better about that now. I mean, for years I would, you know, get a stomach ache and then I'd need everybody in the household to step up and fix, you know, and now I, I, I don't do that as much anymore. At least I can stop myself and go, Mm -hmm. what's going on? Put my hand on my chest. Go, let's go think about this, Maria, because for me with all the stomach stuff, that's how it manifests. So I get nervous. I have this issue in front of me and I'm in the bathroom, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm just sick. And then after it's resolved, I'm 100. It's the craziest (laughs) thing. So I just have to be kinder to myself and say, it's okay. Just slow down. You, you got this. It's not the end of the world. Like just talk myself off the ledge, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. We're very similar in that way. Yeah. And I was thinking another, uh, thing that happens like a trauma response is around shame, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I, I was thinking, you know, my, and I've said this on a uh, Instagram post a long time ago, but my brother used to call me thunder thighs. And so I have always, always had body shame. And I mean, still today I do. And I mean that, you know, to him, he would, I know today he would say, I was just joking. I was teasing, but it, I mean, obviously I'm 50 and I have carried that for so many years and it's, it's, um, caused, I mean, so many things like getting ready to go out and changing my clothes, you know, 10 times and coming out of the closet and just like looking at myself and hating it and then going back and, and then you'll see all of these new or not new, but clean clothes all over my closet. Right. And so that's very specific, but is there anything that resonates with you from a shame perspective, whether it's body or, or otherwise? Yeah. I mean, for me with gymnastics and being, everybody's very hypercritical of Mm. what you look like, um, because of the sport that definitely has carried on with me. Um, and you know, I mean, there's so many, there's probably so many comments kind of similar to that. Well, actually for me, the biggest thing was that I was really muscly for a female. And so I got comments constantly by adults and by kids, um, about, you know, how muscly I was and stuff, and obviously not in a nice way. And so that was something that I at least was like, well, at least I'm strong. Like I tried to, you know, I had to tell myself like at least it's a good thing that I have muscles (laughs) but of course it just you know that's gonna take a very 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 long time if it will ever go away for me yeah I mean things like that just make you feel self-conscious of course you know 
Maria, how about you and maybe your relationship with shame? Yeah, for sure. I was thinking back, um, my family used to call me tort, tortilla. I don't know, tortilla, something Mm -hmm. around it. And um, my stepbrother, my brother, um, would call me Maria Tortilla, the fat diarrhea, which is an awful thing. And everyone would laugh because it rhymed. And for years and years, you know, and it, it wore off the sting of it, but it was in me. And Mm -hmm. so, and then they look very different. They were blonde, blue eyed, tall and thin, and I was not. And so I just started to realize very early on that what I was working with was not as good as what they were working with. Mm -hmm. And so I've done a lot of things, plastic surgery, all, you know, many things, obviously, and it's all based around me feeling shameful of my body. And then I also matured early. So I had boobs before everybody. And and it was a time when uh, nobody was nice about that. Boys could do whatever they want. They could pull your, mm-hmm. you know, bra strap and at school. I mean, they couldn't get away with it now, obviously. But um, it, it definitely stuck with me. It hurt. And without even realizing it, I just grew up being the chubby one unfortunately, it, or that's how they referred to me. Right. So that's and and so that's what you were. Yeah. That's I right. mean, it, and it, those words, um, you know, even though as an adult, I never heard, no one ever said that to me. Um, but I would take things that they might say unintentionally about my legs, which, you know, something it could be about, you know, the, like the quad muscle, you know, when I was super fit, but it it would immediately send me right back to, to my, my brother and me being little and being called that and just like harassed about it. So it's, it's not even, it's, it also goes just beyond that, um, that instance. Right. I mean, it really does carry carry you with you. Um, I wanted to ask Maria, because you had mentioned when your ex-husband was pulling out the pans and you came out, would you consider that an overreaction? Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Which is, is right. Part of the trauma response that you had. And, and when you were saying that I was thinking about, um, how often I would overreact to something my husband said or did. And it was so out of context. Like it didn't, the reaction I had did not make sense to what was actually happening in the situation. And I think that um, that overreaction not only made me feel like well, one, where is that coming from? And at the time I didn't know, but also it made me feel like I am so disconnected with the nice side of me that I can't even see, like, I can't even see a way to overcome this, this emotional response to this. And the the only thing that I can say, and just a quick example, um, where it was completely out of control is I had a concussion in 2020 and, my husband was on the phone and this was before I had gone to the doctor to find out what was happening. My husband was on a FaceTime with a friend from high school that we had not seen in forever. And he just shoved it right into my face thinking, Hey, it's Andy. And normally I would have been like, 
oh my gosh, Andy. No, I immediately started sobbing and I yelled at him for pushing this phone in my face. Now that's the con- that was the concussion. But I have also had really overreacting behavior in other ways too. And so that's the only thing I can kind of like connect it to as an example, but anything like that for either of you? I was going to say, I, the overreaction is absolutely something I used to do when I felt out of control mm-hmm. and, you know, or didn't have control of the situation. Right. And then I would just scream at everybody, you know, and then the part that was the worst is how much shame I felt after I did that. I felt embarrassed and shameful and apologetic, but you can't take those things back. And, you know, and then it just, it kind of, it's just layered and it just keeps getting layered on top, on top until, until you stop it. Well, it almost becomes like part of your personality, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, for people, and I've also been on the side where somebody overreacts to information or a need, and then I don't want to come back to them for my needs, right? Or to bring up a topic of conversation or like, so on both sides, it's so damaging. Mm. Um, And I was going to say, and you, you brought it up, Maria, about the control aspect uh, when you overreact. And I was going to say fear too, right? Like there's this fear. And so you overreact so that you can kind of grab hold of whatever you think you are grabbing a hold of to take control or to eliminate that fear. And really all it's doing is actually rippling, uh, fear, um, beyond you, <laughs> but yeah, so that that's really interesting. Anything mm-hmm. else, Megan? Um, similar to the pots and pans, not that I have that specific situation, but just when I, there are certain like I guess either things that somebody might say or just certain behaviors that will definitely trigger something from childhood. And I will have a really strong reaction to it because of that fear of me being in that situation or um, causing that to be my life. You know, like I, I don't want to have that be the same way that I go about my life. And so I'll have a really strong reaction if there's something that really just freaks me out. Like I just really don't want that to have to be the way that things are, I guess. And so I completely overreact and I'm just like, my whole life is turning into this thing that I don't want when really it's like, that was just one little thing. The other person did not mean to, to do that in any way. It doesn't have to be that big of a deal. So I have to bring myself down from it, but it, it is very difficult when you're in the middle of feeling those feelings. Yeah, for sure. Another one is overwhelm. And a little bit of procrastination too, but I think that might be a totally different topic, but the, you know, overwhelm is also an emotional response from trauma, just feeling like, I mean, kind of what you guys were talking about earlier about your, you know, um, going from one thing to another or making sure everybody's, you know, getting everybody together to do the thing that you are feeling overwhelmed with. But mm-hmm. many times I I feel so overwhelmed and I get that I do a lot of things and I, I have (laughs) a lot going on in my life, but 
but I also know my, uh, the, the ceiling of that. Right. And, and on any given normal day, I can actually produce a lot of things and do a lot of things. And I feel fine doing that, but there are times where it just feels like an added anxiety or stress to just a normal task, you know, Mm -hmm. like even just like, um, I don't know, like throwing some, this is embarrassing, but like if I, I have, and I'm looking at it right now, a bottle of water that has literally been there. It's half, you know, I've, it's half full and it's been there for a month and I'm, Mm -hmm. and I look at it and I know this is ridiculous, but I look at it sometimes and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to throw that away. And then I'm like, I don't know why I can't throw that away. I Mm -hmm. don't like, this is, it doesn't affect my life so much that I'm going to take counseling, like a therapy session for it. But I do (laughs) notice like, not like clothing, like laundry will sit unfolded for, and I'm, weeks John's gonna be like weeks more like months and sometimes that is the case right is there anything I I don't have any explanation for that either I'm wondering if just as you're talking and I'm thinking about it because I do the same thing there are I mean literally just looking around the room that I'm in right now there are so many things where the same exact thing where I'm like why haven't I put that away or whatever And I'm wondering if, because procrastination is obviously feeding something within us, like there's something we're getting out of it. And so I'm wondering if putting away the bottle of water is in a way like taking away that coping mechanism that we have. And I don't know what the coping mechanism is. No. Yeah. Um, well, as soon as you said that bottle of water, I looked at it. (laughs) (laughs) Then I lost my train of thought. It represents something, what it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, um, well, because what I wanted to say actually is we're not, I'm not lazy. Like I'm not a lazy person and I'm not a dirty person. I mean, this is not something, and I understand it's a simple task. And, and by the way, this also goes to filling up my gas tank and waiting until I have less than 10 miles and I live eight miles from the gas station, you know, like things like that, that don't, it just does not make sense, but there's something there that Mm. I, I really struggle with, um, you know, when the alarm goes off to get gas, that's when I should be going to get gas, you know, not, not 70 miles later. So I don't know if that's overwhelm really, but, but it is the procrastination. And I was thinking that when we're a kid and we're having to develop our coping mechanisms or survival mode, and, you know, to a four, a five, a seven, an eight, the mind does things, right? So mm-hmm. whatever those were that we took on or, you know, to survive or to feel okay or whatever, they don't work that great when you're an adult it doesn't seem like it's always seems like it causes so much trouble because you know your your little body is just trying to do the best it can and now you're an adult and you you know your our brains are better and so you know i don't know exactly what that is for me it's i have tasks maybe like you know and i miss take care of everything person mm-hmm. and i feel so overwhelmed by these tasks and if i don't do them it, like i feel sick Mm-hmm. And I have to do them right now and get them off because you never know when an explosion is going to happen. And I have to go in a different direction, which 
which never happens just right. for the record. The explosion mm-hmm. never happens, mm-hmm. but um, I have to clean that up. I have to check all the boxes. And so that's something for me, I, I don't know, it's a little bit opposite, but it's still a coping mechanism. And it doesn't always work great for me. Well, as you were saying that, I was like, wait a minute. If I don't throw away this water bottle, I will keep looking at it and I will continue to feel bad about myself. Like, is that what's going on? It's like like you get to pity yourself or something. Right? Like, Remind yourself you're not worthy or something. Something. Okay. Look at me. I am going to freaking throw this bottle away. Where's my garbage? There it is. <laughs> well, I did I, it. <laughs> I congratulations, Kelly. Thank you. I think too when I if there's a similar thing because there definitely is. I'm like, if I sweep the floor right now, because the floors need to be swept because you're supposed to clean your floors. But if I do that, even though I don't really want to, I am admitting that I am a capable person of keeping my floors clean. And then that means that I have to live up to that expectation of always keeping everything clean oh perfectly. God, this is a therapy session. We are so interesting. It wow. is. So that is so I, I, there is absolutely something to that, Megan, mm-hmm. but I just, uh, the only thing I say, and maybe this is me being like, no, Megan, because it's <laughs> something else. I am a capable person. I know I am in too. so many areas of my life. No, so I know. why is it the simple tasks that create yeah. this discontent? Not discontent. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, you know, like every time I walk by that laundry basket, it's like, eh, like God, yeah. why do I have well, to do that? Like, mm-hmm. If I wonder if it's like we use up all of that energy of being incredibly efficient, because Kelly, you and I are really similar in that way, where we are very efficient people and we're really good at getting things done. Maria, I get that sense from you as well, that you're, you're really good at just like being a problem solver and just getting it done. And so it's like, I wonder if I use up all of my productivity, efficiency, energy. And then when it comes to these little things, I'm like, I can't, I just, I can't because I was just doing all of this really efficient stuff at work or whatever. I'm like taking care of all of these other things. So I I can't, I can't even do this. Can't even throw away this bottle of water. I can't even (laughs) sweep my floor when I need to. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's where that comes from. And I guess I should ask myself, is throwing that bottle of water making me more of a doer. You know what I mean? Like it's just a freaking empty bottle of water. Like, but I've attached some kind of meaning to it, you know, through, by by keeping it here for an entire month, Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it, it, okay. It's just, that is something I'm going to really start to work on, you know, like legit. And I think, I think like one thing we, how would you guys feel if we talked about how will we work on this? Like, what are, what would you do like pick one thing that maybe you do this or or any of these things that we've talked about and maybe share like what your process or approach might be feel do you guys feel comfortable doing that yeah I'm comfortable with it I just you know to think about it like what am what am I gonna do I mean what helps me when I'm doing the procrastination thing and like victimizing myself 
because I like, I just, I can't, like, I can't take care of the little task is, rem- is reminding myself of how much better I feel when I just get it done. Mm-hmm. And then that usually helps me just actually just get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like <clears throat> the sooner I get it done, mm-hmm. then I can take an exhale and feel better about myself somehow, which is so dumb because it's not <laughs> even, you know, they're just whatever tasks. And I'm not sure how the floors, you know, making me a better human being, but um, yeah. so, but what I've started to do is intentionally leave one thing undone mm. and, and say, it's all right, just leave it. It can last there for another day and I'll deal with it tomorrow. And that's just getting myself out of, um, cause I, you know, me and the hamster wheel, I just put my head down and I'm, and then of course I bulldoze everyone around me. And so I want to stop doing that because that's not fair either, you know? So that's what I try to do sometimes when I'm trying to be better and acknowledge that this is not working, you know, it's not best for me. You know, I, I, I really relate to that too, of, um, (laughs) even though I was just talking about procrastinating, but I do have that perfectionism in me where, and that like, I have to be ultra productive and I had that from childhood. And so I used to be really bad about it. Ask my husband when we first got married, I used to be really bad about, I could never just sit down and rest at all. And I had the expectation that he had to be moving around as much as I felt like I needed to. And, um, and I do intentionally, like, I will leave the dishes undone, like, because because who cares? Like who actually cares? What, why does it actually matter to get all of those things done? And at the in you know, within my time frame that I lay out and that has helped me learn how to chill out, um, is by forcing myself to leave something undone. So I do definitely relate to that as well, Maria. You know what I was thinking? It's kind of hard for, for women, maybe men too, but we're going to talk about women, um, that, you know, we've got all these things and at work or in our professions, we have to be stellar. We have to be competent all over it, taking care of business, customer service, whatever it is. And, you know, we're the star and then you come home and it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm still the star. What am I doing? (laughs) You know? So it's kind of hard thing because it's expected or, you know, in your business or working for, you know, you want to do a good job and you want to be a good person and take care of business. But then like at five o'clock, it should be able to just be like, no, it's okay. That's, that was work mode. This is home mode, which shouldn't be so hard. I think. I think you have something, there's something to that Maria, because I do think when I look at tasks like the laundry or throwing away the bottle, I do think like, not that anyone else should be doing it, but, but for me, I think I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Like I am like a badass and I have other things that I have to do. And so I just constantly put things off, but I, the feeling that I am left seeing that bottle every fucking day is just like, I I'm a slob and I know I'm not, you know? And so I think like, this is like real time, me trying to figure out how, how am I going to tackle this? And the only thing that I can think of is I'm after we're done here, I'm going to go into my bathroom because it's a mess that my countertop is a mess. And I always say, why can't I just 
clear it off after I'm done with my makeup or brushing my teeth. And it's never that way. But I think I'm going to look at it and I'm going to literally say, by not doing it, what is that saying about me? Like, what am I telling? What story am I telling myself about leaving this counter this way? And if it bothers me that much and it makes me feel so badly, what what ways can I like, what new ways can I think about myself in this situation? You know, I just, it's such a weird thing. And I know other people are dealing with this. We three, I mean, there's three of us that are freaking dealing with this. So I know we're not the only ones. I'm really glad That's that a- bot- water bottle was there. <laughs> I, um, I think that that's a really good point of just like, like, cause I have the same thing where there's some, like my, my bathroom counter, I need to just wipe it down and it will take me four seconds to just wipe it down, but it's so hard to do. But I love how you framed it as what is the story that I'm telling myself? Because I think that that's so true in so many different, um, circumstances, not just with like, if we're procrastinating something or, or whatever, there are so many times where we, we victimize ourselves and we tell ourselves this story about who we are and, what we need to do and why something's difficult for us when it's like, what, what, who is this story for? How is this benefiting anybody? How is this benefiting me? How is this making my life better? Cause it's not usually the story we tell ourselves is making things worse. And I really, really, really like to be reminded of that because when I stop and think about the story that I tell myself, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just weaving this incredibly dramatic tale. Well, think about procrastination and mm-hmm. and how many times I would say, oh, I just do my best work then. I do my best work at the, you know, whatever hour people, call, you know, at the last hour, but it's at an expense. The expense is of your, the amount of stress. I mean, I remember so many, even at work, waiting to the last minute to do stuff where I actually needed other people's help and things didn't work out that way, but Hey, I'm doing my best work, right? No, I am doing it at my like literal anxiety level, high, just constant like stress and tension. And that's so unhealthy, right? And if I could just take, like you said, Maria, take just some time just to do the first couple of tasks, right? And then you can lay out the groundwork to not have to procrastinate. But there's something about patting myself on the back because I freaking did it at, at my own expense. Like that just really doesn't make any sense. You know, I, well, the word that comes to mind, what you're talking about. And for me is like self-sabotage. Mm. So I'm the other way, right? So my house, everything tchotchke has to be in its place. And if I walk by and the wind has moved something, I go over there and put it back. And then I think to myself, do I really need to do that? Come on, Maria. You know, I try to talk myself through when I know I'm in that. But part of it is, like you said, Megan, sometimes I just leave the dishes. I don't want to leave the dishes and I want to do them, but I'm kind of forcing myself to say, it's okay. Cause in the big scheme of the world, it doesn't matter if there's four things in the sink at all. But I keep thinking about it in my head. Like I should go get that because something in me, it makes me feel better mm-hmm. because then my world is perfect. And I'm ready if something happens because maybe that's what, as a kid, I had to be ready 
in case something happened. You know, I don't know. I'm just trying to put it all yeah. together. So, but I know, I know I self-sabotage. I mean, I think we all probably have do that, you know, mm -hmm. and so we know it's not good for us, but sometimes we can't get out of our own way, but you know, we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. And, you know, I had mentioned about like, if you're raising children right now, like I, I remember telling my kids things like, well, it, you're just not making it your priority, but really what could have been happening is they were going through what I have experiencing, you know, like picking up their room or there, there could have been some of that happening. I mean, my children have trauma. My adult children have trauma from their childhood and using words like that, where it's just a complete misunderstanding of maybe the situation and what was happening, like in, in the actual moment. Um, it's just something to think about for parents. I mean, we develop these coping mechanisms so young and they may not look like what we're talking about right now as a, as three adult women, but they are creating their own mechanisms of coping through stress and trauma and anxiety and all of those things. And it would be great if parents could utilize this information and just kind of take a step back and try to figure out what's happening. Cause, oh my goodness. Yeah. I just, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Megan. Well, going back really quick to you talking about Kelly, about how you do your best work when you're like under the wire, when you're really stressed and you already said like, is that really your best work or not really? And it's, it's really interesting because oh, sorry, my dogs are barking Kelly. If you no want worries, to I, I okay. can't, I can't just go for it. It's all right. Okay. Um, that's just the, it's like the mode that you're used to being in. And that's why you feel like you're doing your best work because you're, you find yourself regularly in those situations where you are really stressed and you're able to work through them. So because you're comfortable being in that mode, it's just like being in some type of abusive relationship where that's what you're comfortable with. So you seek it out. And so you think that that's the way that it should be for you. But really, that's just what your brain is comfortable with. So you keep putting yourself back in that situation because you know that you can do it. Love it. Yeah. Makes so much sense. What were you going to say, Maria? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That, ha that happens no, a lot. No, you were so no. good, Megan, because that makes so much sense. We do what's comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And what's comfortable is stuff we learned, you know, when we were kids in extreme trauma any trauma is extreme for a kid. It's hard, you right. know, even if it's just yelling that hurts, you know, I mean, and they've done, I don't know, not that we're going to talk about all that stuff, but they've done so many studies on kids under the age of five that are in trauma situations and those that are not, and they tested the cortisol levels in their urine and the kids that were under so much stress had so much, which I feel like that's part of mine. My insides had just mm -hmm. been on just tight and, um, you know, scared, waiting, jumpy, all those things. And now it's come, you know, now here I am a toxic perfectionism, perfectionist trying mm -hmm. to do the best I can. I'm unwinding that though. We're, yeah, we're not absolutely. That nope. Nope. Um, another thing I, and it kind of goes a little bit to daydreaming, but it's, but it's a little more, um, maybe it doesn't. So one thing that I feel came from my childhood was in relationships just, and maybe I don't know how to 
really explain it, but I'm just going to go for it and you guys can help me. Feeling a, a, like a, a disconnection from other people and then not having any like ownership or responsibility to them. So it's just kind of like, I write them off, not in a negative, like, I hate that person. It wasn't like that. It was just a, like, people are, um, they're, they come and go, people come and go. And so there was no fight in me to really work on relationships or to really understand like my role or their role and how to meet them in the middle and have these, you know, friendships or, you know, regular relationships. And I feel like that, and I, I apologize that I don't know the name of it or can't explain it very well, but I do think that's something I have carried on throughout my entire life. Like they're disposable. You know, like people are disposable. And I think that that's one reason. And I I didn't actually think about it when we had the friendship um, uh, episode, but I really think that that is one of the main reasons that I've had difficulty with friendships. Any comments or thoughts to that? I mean, that's just really interesting. I love how self-aware you are. (laughs) you just bring up so many like ways to think about myself and and how I treat friendships as well my brain's kind of rattling around yeah no worries I mean that's what this is for really Mm -hmm. wow guys (laughs) you rendered us speechless Kelly No, I do, you know, and, and I, do you mind if I share Megan, what I said to you in the polo the other day? I mean, you know, you were sharing some, some heartfelt things that you were going through and I just felt so honored, like to be the one that you were confiding in. And I've never, I'm telling you guys never felt that way. I mean, I feel like when people confide in me, I feel like I'm the right person for that. You know, you, they can Mm -hmm. confide in me, but there was like love, you know, Mm -hmm. and a feeling like in my heart where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I am able to do this. And it felt incredible. And I've, I can't think of another time that I've felt that with a friend, you know, like really just being able to be there for you. And so I just think like, on one hand, that's really sad (laughs) that I'm 50 and feeling that. And on the other side, I'm just like, this is what the rest of my life is going to be like. And I am so fucking thankful that I can experience what that was because mm-hmm. I look back at my life and I'm going to say these things. I don't feel bad, feel this way about myself, but what, a, it was lonely. It was so lonely. And, and so I don't know. I just think, I don't even know if that has anything to do with trauma, but I'm sure it does, you know? Well, well what I was going to say, first of all, that's beautiful. I mean, girlfriends are so important. They, they feed us, you know, and we can confide in them that we couldn't confide 
information that we would we wouldn't tell our husbands, our mothers, our whatever, you know. I mean, it's just a place to a soft place to fall, it feels like, you know, because you don't get judged, you just get love, and you can be your ugliest self and they still love you. And I feel like as women, I hope that every woman on the planet understands their strength and their worth. Because mm -hmm. if we band together, uh, some of the things that are going on in the world would not be happening. If And I'm just like, want to start a revolution. And I'm not that type of girl normally, <laughs> but I feel really bad for the younger generation and hopefully it'll all get fixed. But, um, but yeah, no, that's beautiful and important. Yeah. And I will say that actually the word powerful, I, I didn't associate that with how I was feeling and not powerful. Like I have all this power, but there was something empowering about being able to be in that space, you know? And so, yeah. I, well, and I think that a way to look at it too, Kelly, it would, and thank you, of course, by the way, but um, I think a way to look at it as is that you are such a different person now than you were even like two years ago. And so you're looking at friendships in a very different way. You're looking at all of your relationships and yourself in such a different way. And so we had such a good bonding moment and it was just, it was like just another, another like big step up into the person that you're growing into basically. And it was mm -hmm. like, it just kind of cemented a lot of feelings of bonding and friendship and relationship, like healthiness that you've been feeling. And so I think that that's a good way to look at it. Um, not that, you know, that you were lacking in some way before, or that you've never felt something like that. Cause you have, you're just a different version of yourself than you have been before. So it was just that it was very, it was a powerful moment and hit you at the right time as the right yeah. person that you are right now. Yeah. You, have you ever seen those memes where it's like, um, it, they're filming their kid and like something they, they like recognize or, or become aware of something. And then they have like core memory. Like that's literally how I felt like, oh, like a core memory was happening. I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. And, and like I said, what brings a lot of hope is that more of that will happen, you know, with my friends and, that's exciting and hopeful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, no, I'm very pleased that we had that bonding time. And mm -hmm. I think it's a good way to like, to think about how, you know, you want friendships and relationships to be like, you know, that that's the kind of feeling that you're seeking out now. And so now you can be more aware of it for when it's going to happen again with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you guys want to talk about? trauma, trauma response, anything that you think comes from that? I was going to say, when you were talking about mothering your, you know, children or adults now, and I still have one at home and I have the benefit of making some mistakes back there with the first one, mm -hmm. you know, so that part is wonderful. I'll make new mistakes, but I absolutely with my son, try to give him his own autonomy to tell me what it is he needs and how he wants to do whatever choice like you know if it if he's better a certain way doing that if slowly or fast or whatever it is i want him to think about how he works best and and then do that because 
nobody ever asked me like mm-hmm. what would work best for you you know i mean it was always just do what you do you know and you do as i to- tell you to do it and i think gosh it'd be so great to leave it to the kids not that they get to decide everything but i get to understand how he l- listens how he learns how he wants to you know take care of his business and um i think that's a really important thing for kids to be able to do on their own as well and their parents give them the space for it yeah, I mean it's it's allowing them to develop certain parts of who they are, right? And and trusting that they can make decisions that are right for them and in the context like I remember my parents getting furious <laughs> when my brother did not clean the stove correctly. And I I remember this because I'm like, I don't even know how to clean the stove. Like I remember thinking that as he was getting yelled at and then brought to the stove and then scrubbing the stove. You know what I mean? Like it it was like, and I remember thinking like, I have no idea how to do it and, and worrying, you know, about that. And so you're right. I mean, it's like gentle teaching. I mean, kids just don't automatically know how to do everything, you know, and it's not just because you've had to like at seven, I had my initial on a calendar and that was my day for dishes, you know, it, and I mean, I'm sure somebody taught me, but every time that freaking K rolled around on the calendar, it was just like, Jesus people, I'm freaking seven. You know, anyway, sorry, mom. Well, and I was thinking some of the part of the reason I'm mo- very motivated is I'm trying to reduce the amount of trauma <laughs> the second right. one has yeah. because we all have it and mm-hmm. you can't help it. You know, it is what it is, but I mean, I'm mo- I, because I know more about that now, I'm much more cognizant of it. Yeah. I, I want to give an, a better environment to learn, make mistakes, you know, and it's not fatal, you know, it's not a big, horrible, awful thing. It's okay to make mistakes. We all do. It doesn't matter. I love that. You know? I love that Maria. Yeah. Okay. I think we're, we have exhausted it, right? It's been a good conversation. Maria, thank you so much for joining us again and sharing your history and your experiences and insights. It's so helpful, like Mm -hmm. just to listen to you, but I know so many people when they listened, especially to your first one, and I know it'll happen again from this episode, but definitely they feel connected because you just have a way of sharing like the truth and you're honest and, you know, authentic. And I just really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I feel very, very lucky to be a part um, of what you guys have created in a small way because it's very important work. And um, so thank you very much. Both yeah, of We're happy for you to me. be here. Definitely. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Future Therapist podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe to any platform that you listen to this episode and make sure to give us a five-star review. If you'd like to reach Your Future Therapist podcast co-hosts, Megan Lachowski and Kelly Newsom, you can reach them by text at 530-733-6400 or by email at yourfuturetherapistpodcast at gmail.com.